Hey guys, welcome to episode two of the Drop the Gloves podcast. My name is Dominic Zapiri, and by my side, I have Logan Sight. We're going to go over a couple of the topics. We got the Penguins 11 2 win over Detroit. We got the Flames 9 5 over the Oilers. Jack Hughes in a great year. We're going to talk about Hayden Hodgson from the former Erie Otter. Also, going to do an NHL standings and stat check. We're going to talk about the salary cap increase. We also have a Sean Sidlowski interview, former Otter. And then we're going to talk about Aiden Campbell and the Otters' playoff push. Tom, go ahead and get us started with the Penguins. Yeah, so the Pittsburgh Penguins had an 11-2 win over the Detroit Red Wings. Evgeny Malkin had four points. Crosby had three. Raquel had three. Richard Raquel coming into the Penguins organization. He's making a statement on why he should stay there and why he should be there. Uh, Crosby's doing good as normal. And then Malkin, four points. He's also surprising me. Like, I have mixed feelings about Evgeny and Malkin. Yeah, you know how I feel about Malkin. Sometimes he can be the laziest player on the ice. Uh, Raquel really impressed me coming in. He was playing on the Carter Kapanen line, and them boys were buzzing. Raquel gets moved up to the second line next to Malkin. I'm pretty sure that's where forwards go to die in Pittsburgh because Malkin is one of the most streakiest players I've ever seen. One game he's skating hard, he's back-checking, he's causing turnovers, and the next game he's barely skating and giving up dumb turnovers. So he's probably one of the streakiest players I've ever seen in the league, especially for being an elite goal scorer. Yeah, I've never saw um, a Malkin hater as much as Logan, so he's talking talking his shit. Especially the no-look turnovers. Look before you get the puck and then make the blind pass. Don't just make the blind pass. Yeah, Logan, you should definitely be an NHL coach for sure. Uh, I think <laughs> you gotta you gotta be the one to change Malkin's game up. I'll tell you what. Give me the job. Let me behind the bench. I'll take Colin's spot when he substitute for our coach that was out for surgery. Give it to me, and we might throw hands, me and Malkin. Yeah, let's see. But yeah, Calgary Flames, 9-5 win over the Oilers. That's big. Um, I definitely thought the Oilers were getting hot, but of course it looks like we're on the same old train to the same old place. Johnny Gaudreau, he had five points against the Oilers. He made them his B-I-T-C-H. Let me tell you that. And the Oilers keep struggling. I don't know what it is. We talked about it last podcast, and they're, it's a continuous thing every single year. They start, they start shit mid-season, they're all right, and then go down the hill again. I know what they need. Throw me behind the bench. They need Coach Sipe behind the bench. I'll get them boys going. McDavid needs help. Drysaddle needs help. It's the same story. If we're not winning, you're damn right that's going to be the hardest them boys have ever skated. Exactly. But let's move on to Jack Hughes. 52 points and 45 games played. Logan, has he finally gotten his touch? I think he's got his touch. I think the injury there in the middle of the season really slows him down. But he's kind of came back and he's putting up numbers and he's been consistent for you guys. He's definitely by far one of the most consistent players you guys have on that roster. And I think he did find his touch, and I'm curious to see if we get a full healthy season out of him, where he's going to rank among those top guys in points. Do you think he'll be better or the same as Patrick Kane? Honestly, it's kind of early in his career. Patrick Kane kind of always had a team around him. You know, they made a couple cup runs. They won a couple cups. Um, And now he's playing with, I mean, he's always been good. He's got talent on the team. Um, If New Jersey can figure it out, I think he has a chance to be as good, if not better. But it depends on the team surrounding him. Yeah, uh, my opinion on that, I think uh, the first two seasons, I thought Jack was like really underperforming. And I just didn't have hope. And then the end of last season and this year really changed my mind. So I think he's going to be a superstar. He's going to be a top 10 player in this league. 
Time is coming. I think New Jersey's just a dumpster fire right now. Frank the Tank laid into him from this, the Barstool podcast. He completely laid into him about how they're treating season ticket holders. I mean, he was pissed. And uh, something's got to happen up there in New Jersey, whether it needs a new owner or that owner to finally get his head straight. But something needs to happen in New Jersey. Moving on. Former Erie Otter Hayden Hodgson played with the Philadelphia Flyers. So far, he has two points in four four games played and one fight. In an NEHL, he had 29 points in 44 games played. And he came from the ECHL for the past four seasons. So it's very, very shocking to see him in the NHL. Honestly, I just thought he was a straight grinder in the OHL. But he did get traded and maybe his game different coaches different style like it changed and he's in the nhl now the coach can definitely make a big difference on a player's performance but as we can see here he's been with three different teams um the echl he bounced around there for a little bit he had four seasons in the echl he went to the ahl he was putting up points but to just jump in an nhl roster and be able to go out there and put up the points and be a little physical and get your knuckles a little bloody i think that's pretty impressive for any guy to be able to complete that all right, let's move on to the NHL standings and stat check. Carolina is one of those teams that are going to be dirty in the playoffs. They're going to go far, I hope, because I watched them the other day, and they were just nasty. 44-15-8 with 96 points. They're so young but so talented. Like They look like a veteran NHL team, the way these young guys are playing. And it's nice having those guys young because as long as nobody gets salary happy, you can definitely keep those guys coming back, and they could be a team to reckon with for the next five, ten years. I think they're going to be a Tampa Bay 2.0, but better. And that's scary to say because Tampa's a few cups in the past couple years. I I don't know. It's going to be interesting. And then Florida, 45-15 and 6 with 96 points. Giroux's obviously helping them out. Yeah, that's big getting Giroux down there. He's been putting up some numbers. And it's nice when you can just jump into that roster and just be, just be a contributor. I mean, that's what the teams are looking for, to be able to do it so quick. Let's talk about the Rangers in Pittsburgh. They had a really good game the other night on Tuesday. Um, Pittsburgh ended up taking the loss. I think it was 3-2. But, man, the Rangers could not find that empty net in the last minute and a half. And I really thought the boys were going. They were buzzing. Sullivan had a good use of his timeout. We set up a play over there on the dot. If it wasn't for Crosby and that juggling puck, if he gets that shot off, I'm not saying he's fine in the back of the net, but I think we get a little more entertainment out of a game that was already packed with entertainment. Yeah, that was a very exciting ending of that game. I thought Pittsburgh was for sure going to tie it up, and I can't believe the Rangers missed like four, five empty nets. That's so embarrassing. And then Raquel came up with the flurry-like save in front there, down on one knee. Yeah, that was that was very entertaining. And Fluffy, I'm sorry, but teach your boys how to score an empty net goal. Well, while we're talking about Fluff, Fluff, we've already had this conversation. If this is what we're going to see in the first round of the playoffs, we'll be there. It's going to be a blast for sure. Another thing I want to talk about standings by is Washington. They are struggling, and... Their record is fine. They're going to make playoffs, but they are not that deep. And I watched a game, a few games of theirs, actually, and I think they're going to get first-rounded easily. They're just not hot right now. Yeah, they're not hot, but they have the talent. If they get hot at the right time, I think they have a chance. I mean, and then you got Pittsburgh and uh, Washington. The only reason our points are up so high is we both have 10 overtime losses. The only team with more is Buffalo, and they're at the bottom of the standings. You can't go out there and lose games in overtime that frequently. Yes, is it big when you get the two points in overtime? Absolutely. But when you lose 10 in overtimes, all that does is help your points. It doesn't show that you're the better team. I think Washington, out of all the teams that are in the Eastern Conference playoffs right now, is the worst team. 
Absolutely. Like, Death-wise, team-wise, they're just they're, they don't have it this year, unfortunately. And they have a couple injuries that they're fighting through as well. Um, so that's real big. Let's go on to Connor McDavid just hitting the 100-point mark this year. Yeah, Connor McDavid is the best player in the NHL right now and probably be the best player in the NHL for years to come. Um, Drysaddle is his partner in crime has 97 points. Jonathan Huberdeau with 93. Johnny Gaudreau with 90. And then Austin Matthews with 85. Those are your top five point scores currently. Logan, are you surprised about McDavid? No, no, that's not even a question. Like he just knows where to go. His speed lets him get there first. He's so offensive minded when the puck's on his stick, and he's for some reason he's always on the right side of the bounces. And I can't contribute that to the bounces just being there for him. That's just that's just hockey knowledge. He knows where he needs to be, and he makes it happen. Um, now here's one for you, Dom. We got McDavid with 100 and Drysaitel with 97 points. Do you think Drysaitel can skip over him? No, like only way I see that happening is if McDavid gets hurt. To be honest, I'm but, just saying though, wouldn't that be something for Drysaddle to get the heart? You know what? No, it wouldn't be something. Like it'd be, it'd be funny. But the thing that's sad about that is when you have your two players who average what two hundred I mean, points combined. Right there, yeah, we're not even through the year. They got 197 points. Yeah, almost 200 points combined, and your team is still a shit organization. Something, and they're not in the playoffs. Something Something's needs wrong. to change. Like yeah. that's sad. They need help. And we've been saying that for the past three, four years. You know who's – sorry to interrupt you there. You know who has impressed me this year with their goal scoring? Who? Kreider. Kreider, yeah. I was, he's, not a, he's not a goal scorer. That's what's so confusing. He's supposed to be a grinder. And, and he is. I mean, for some reason, though, he's projected at 55 goals this year. Anytime uh, a player hits 30, 40, 50, I mean, those are great numbers. But for him to have 46 with only 68 games played – and on the back side of that, though, he only has 19 assists. See, I don't think he'll hit 55, but I do think he'll hit 50 or more. But I think 54, 53 is decent. Like, I'm oh, not, it's I, impressive. Yeah, it's impressive. <laughs> I'm just saying the projections, I don't, don't agree with it. But moving on to the NHL salary cap. Yeah, so we just talked about this in the last podcast, and uh, we were talking about how it needed to go up and how t- and how different teams would look if we got a big change. And then we got Batman on the letdown again, giving us $1 million. I mean, that's not even keeping up with inflation at the, at the rate it's at. And you got Aaron Rodgers making $50 million to play 17 games. I'd like to see him come make $50 million in the NHL. Our highest-paid NHL player is McDavid. And it's what, like twelve mil, thirteen mil in it's, that in that ballpark, and you have Aaron Rodgers making fifty. That's literally thirty mil less than a whole team of the NHL. One player's making that. It's the same way in the NBA, same way in the MLB, and it's just sickening. I I don't know. Hockey should not be like like thirty years ago acceptable. You know, yeah. NHL was kind of falling apart. Um, but then now we got expansion teams. I mean, anytime I want to buy a jersey, I'm up over two hundred dollars. Um, you got to find a way to put this in the salary. You got to find an increase. I'd like to see the salary cap uh, to a hundred million by 2025. That would be awesome. And NHL players deserve that. They play 82 games a year plus playoffs. If you make it, like their bodies go through more than any sport, maybe besides UFC. But that's even they're underpaid. To be honest. Yeah, and if not, Dana White's getting 50% anyways. So. Exactly. So the sports that have the most contact, I believe, get paid less, and that's just sickening to, in my opinion. And while we're talking about salary caps, I'm going to mention baseball because opening day is right around the corner. Um, I think it's crazy that there's a few players in the MLB that are paid more than the entire Pirates 
locker room. He completely paid more than the whole team, one single player. I think that's why you see the same teams on top every year because those teams that are winning can afford to. And I think that those, you know, the teams like the Pirates, they just – they don't want to fork out the money, so I don't think they'll ever be a top team in the near future. Yeah, it's the same way in the NBA, too. Like, you see the same teams up top. Uh, MLB, you just said that. NFL, NFL is, like, decent, but still, you see the same teams make playoffs. And then the NHL is, like, the only competitive, I think, you never know who's going to make playoffs. It's never the same top to bottom. All, always, like, same good teams, but you don't see them winning the championship every year. It's unpredictable. Yeah, and, I mean, really unpredictable was when St. Louis was January 1st. They were in the basement, and then they won the Stanley Cup. I mean, that's just that just shows how hard and how competitive these teams are in the league. And I think the players need a little more money. I'm not saying make it drastic, but get a little bigger salary cap, get these guys paid a little better. And I think it stays competitive. I think that's what they're scared of, and that's why they're not making huge salary increases. But if you do it across the board all at one time, I think you have you have a good plan. Exactly. Well, one thing we did forget to talk about while we were talking about stats leaders is goaltending. Some of these goaltenders that are leading against in goals against average blow my mind. You got Shesterkin, Anderson, and Markstrom. Anderson has a 2.05. Shesterkin has a 2.11. And Markstrom has a 2.16. I just think that those are impressive numbers by any goaltender. And Shesterkin not only has the lowest, uh, second lowest goals against average, but he's putting up a .936. Anytime you can stop 94% of the pucks coming your way, I mean, that's huge. No, he's a really good goalie, and seeing him a lot more than normal with the Devil, being a Devils fan, he's, he's really good, and I wish we had a goalie that could battle him and a team that could battle him. The team's there. The team's there, but we'll talk about the goaltending of the Rangers right now. They have a good one-two punch, and that's going to be good for their future. And then out of those goalies, I think the best is right now is going to be Fred, Frederick Anderson. Seeing him play with Carolina is ridiculous. I already talked about how good they are, and he just needed that change of scenery from Toronto. I feel like I say that every week. but <laughs> Who doesn't need a change of scenery out of Toronto? Toronto needs a change yeah, of scenery. Yeah, exactly. And oh. Frederick Anderson, I'm so glad he's on a really good team because that dude's been through hell and back with the Maple Leafs. The one thing I want to talk about here, though, is, you know, I'm the stats guy. I, I dig in the stats like no tomorrow. The one thing I do want to talk about is how Tristan Jari is not in the top five of goals against average or save percentage, but he is second in wins. I just think that goes to show how good of a team the Penguins have put in front of him. Um, you don't have to be in the top of those if you have the offense to back you. Granted, sometimes our offense gets in slumps and what. Not, but I just wanted to point that out that you can't tell it all by the stats. Not at all, and stats don't always mean everything. It's all about um, all everybody as a collective group, everybody as a collective team, and and the chemistry. Exactly, and they're going to be there for you if the goalie's there for you. So it's, it's how it goes. Now the next big thing I want to talk about um, in this segment, we're going to have an interview with Sean Sidlowski, former Erie Otter. Um, I loved watching him in Erie. He was kind of like my childhood idol. I was like 11 years old at the time. I loved going to the games. They were always fun to watch. Dom, how do you feel about this interview? Oh, I'm very excited. I used to be very close with their family and still talk to his dad here and there. And then I used to be best friends with his brother. So, like, we were very close. And I was young. We used to play mini sticks in the hallways during the games. And we were just um, all very close bonded. So I'm very excited for this interview. And I love Sean's dad. He always reaches out to us on Facebook and whatnot, see how the business is going. 
Uh, he was thrilled to hear we got it back, I'm sure. We'll have to get them some new shirts shipped out. Hello, everybody. We got a special guest in the house, Sean Sidlowski, former Erie Otter, current Fort Wayne comment. Sean, how are you doing today? Oh, not too bad, guys. How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. All right, Sean. So the first question I want to ask you is you just recently came off an injury, so I just wanted to know how you managed the recovery process and how much did it suck being off the ice? Uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, isn't fun uh, having to play through injuries. Unfortunately, I uh, had to play through that one for a while, but yeah, I had a uh, little bit of a back uh, back operation, I guess you'd say, um, called a microdisectomy, but it's not, uh, fortunately, not too too major of a surgery in terms of back surgeries you know there's uh you know you get fusions and stuff like that and that's definitely a, a lot longer process and uh i'm sure a lot more painful uh even though mine was definitely uh, very painful i don't wish back pain on anybody but um it was actually really really easy uh recovery process you know just a lot of time uh off my feet and unfortunately not playing hockey so that was kind of tough and not being able to really work out too much either and then unfortunately you know having to go right into another hockey season so uh you know that's been tough there's been some bumps and bruises here and there but uh you know the back pain is gone which i'm very happy about now sean how much did it suck being off the ice i know definitely it's not fun uh, especially you know for guys like me uh i think a lot of guys do a similar thing which in the off season, you know, when you go back home or wherever you're from, uh, I think everyone's got some summer skates or like me, we got a pretty good summer league back home that I always have fun playing in with buddies, uh, you know, who play in different leagues with different teams, so you don't see them too often. So it's uh, pretty fun to catch up with them in the summer. So uh, especially not getting to do that and obviously not getting to pre prepare for another season, it was uh, pretty boring. So did you think that, like, for any second you were going to be done with hockey after the back injury? Yeah, no, there's definitely thoughts of that. And uh, to be honest, I probably should have done the back surgery even a few years before, uh, you know, this past year, uh, just since I've been dealing with it for a little while. And it, you know, progressively got worse and worse over time, of course. So, um, you know, I think the reason why I didn't do it earlier was because you could just hear the words back surgery, and I don't think it makes anyone too comfortable or no one would want to get their back operated on in a perfect world or a perfect life. So uh, I tried to tried to avoid doing it, but uh, I got to a point where just uh, the pain was a little too much and it was starting to affect, uh, you know, how I played on the ice. So I was definitely a little worried about doing it. And there's, you know, of course, a chance something goes wrong with the surgery, you don't recover right, or, you know, there's a ton of things that can go wrong. So it was a little nerve-wracking, but, uh, you know, there's no, no sense in worrying about it or trying to predict the future is the way I look at it. So I just, uh, you know, trying to do what I could, and uh, fortunately it worked out. Now on to a more positive note, Sean. Uh, just seen in December of 21, you got your 500th career CHL point. What that mean for you? Oh, yeah, no, it's definitely special. Um, of course, I think I'd uh, preferred it to be 500 NHL points. Uh, but, you know, obviously uh, it's pretty cool to to be able to look back on your, your career at you know, end of your career, whatever that may be for me, um, it's something I'll look back on and, you know, have a little bit of pride and uh, it's just, you know, it's really just fun and uh, I'm fortunate to be able to have played as long as I have and played with some good guys and on good teams and, uh, you know, that's a pretty cool thing and to have my, uh, have my dad there when I did it, that was pretty cool too. So, um, yeah, fortunate, uh, but again, I attribute that to a lot of the guys I've played with and the, the teams I've been on, because uh, you know, as long as I've been in Fort Wayne, we've had a pretty 
good team with the exception of my first year, so uh, I've been lucky. And with that career that you've had, I've noticed that you're averaging over a point per game. How do you keep that up? Oh, you know, uh, you know, I don't know if I have a exact answer for that one, but I think it's just uh, more the way that you know I play the game. I'm not. I don't think I'm necessarily the the fastest guy. That's for sure. Um, you know, I don't know if I'm I'm really the best at any one skill. I think, um, fortunately for me, I think my greatest strength is just the way I see the game and the way I think the game. I can you know, kind of predict things uh, maybe a step or two faster than some guys can. And, um, you know, I think I've just uh, been able to use what I do have to my advantage. And, again, that also comes with having good teams and teammates, like I said, because, uh, you know, if you haven't been on a good team or, you know, if you're on a team that doesn't make the playoffs or something like that, uh, chances of having a point a game or over that are, are pretty tough. So I've been lucky. All right, Sean, 10 goals, 14 assists, 24 points in 24 games played so far. How's the season going? Are you excited for another run? Yeah, no, I mean, the season's going really good. Again, we have a, another good team this year, especially, uh, you know, that was something important to us with uh, coming off a championship and uh, wanting to obviously repeat. Uh, you know, there's a lot more pressure on you when that happens, and uh, fortunately we built another good team here and have a – a real another good chance uh, to win another championship. So we're definitely focused on that right now. And, uh, you know, we've been real good. I think we just, this past month of March, uh, you know, we've went, uh, I think it was 11-1-1 or 12-1-1, so only lost one game in regulation, which, uh, you know, hasn't happened too many times over my career. It's a pretty tough thing to do. So, uh, you know, we're trending in the right direction, fortunately, with playoffs coming in uh, just under a month here. So uh, we're looking pretty good at the moment. Well, we definitely want you to bring another one home. But another question. What's your favorite thing about Fort Wayne? Uh, it's honestly uh, just strictly the fan support that we get here. Um, you know, I think, uh, I honestly, it's funny because I do compare Fort Wayne to Erie a lot in my career. Um, just in the terms of, you know, it's not the, the biggest town in the league that you're playing in. Or it might not be the... You know, it's not a vacation destination necessarily. You know, you're going to get snow, you're going to get some bad weather and stuff like that. And, of course, guys want to play in Florida or, like, California. And, of course, everyone wants to do that. But, um, you know, for me, I think just having a love of the game, you want to feel appreciated, um, you know, when you do play. And, fortunately, we got that back in Erie. Um, you know, small blue-collar town, but they love their their otters and they showed up uh you know more consistently than most teams in the league um and i think that's a thing that surprised a lot of guys when they're there that's one thing about erie is that uh you know i know everyone i've played with in my career whether they're canadian american european they all at the end of their time in erie always looked back and said they loved it and they enjoyed it and just loved playing for those fans and you know i think it's something cool about a smaller city too that you know, there's not much to do, so the guys on the team are kind of forced to to be together, entertain each other, and, you know, you're not able to go to the beach, say, or go golfing year-round or anything like that. So it's like you kind of got to be, um, you know, a little more creative in how you entertain yourself. So it, uh, it almost forces the team to be closer uh, off the ice. So I really think that's something that plays to our advantage uh, here. Um, you know, it's the same in Fort Wayne. It's... It's a little bit bigger than Erie, I think. Um, you know, I think they got, I forget the exact number of the population here, but uh, it's a pretty big city in terms of that, but uh, not as big as some, you know, say like a Cincinnati that's right down the road or something like that. Um, but we get the most 
consistent fans of the league in Fort Wayne we have ever since I've been here. And, you know, I think we average, uh, you know, since I've been here, I'd, I'd say we average probably 7,500, 7, you know, any night and on the weekends it's usually sold out and you know up to 10 11 thousand stuff like that so um that's pretty cool city when you're around all the time you see people wearing comet stuff or comets decals on cars or stuff like that so it's like just seeing that type of stuff and knowing how much you're appreciated that's what makes it really special so then another thing i got for you when you were drafted to erie at 16 did you think oh man i'm going to erie or were you kind of excited uh, well, so to be honest, I, uh, it, it's kind of funny because I, I grew up, uh, you know, in Detroit, which, uh, being in Detroit, like in terms of the OHL, um, you know, we have a couple teams that are pretty close when I was growing up because Plymouth was still, um, in the league, obviously. Um, and then Windsor was always around. So, uh, those, that was only a 20 minute drive across the border for us. And, uh, my dad used to take me to a ton of those games if we weren't at Red Wings games, you know. During the week or on the weekends, we were always going to either Windsor or Plymouth and watching a lot of those games. So I was always a big fan of the OHL, even more than college, to be honest, just because of the access. Um, if I wanted to go to a college game, you know, I'd have to drive Diane Arbor uh, or Lansing or something like that. Those are at least an hour drive from where I live. So uh, the OHL teams were closer, so I got a lot more exposure to them uh, growing up and actually had some favorite players in those leagues uh back at that time but um you know as i got older i think back then especially being an american and it still is that way now you're pushed to go the college route um and you know canadians are pushed to go the ohl route because that's what they grow up around and that's what they're used to so i was actually uh you know planning to go to college and play in college uh when the ohl draft came around i was already committed to miami of ohio i was going to go play there um and had a verbal uh, commitment with them. And then, you know, I was drafted pretty high in the USHL uh, Futures draft to Tri-City. So, uh, you know, I had an avenue to go to Miami if I wanted. But then, uh, you know, honestly, I had no clue what was going to happen in the OHL draft. And, you know, I got taken real late because of that fact. And Erie was the one that ended up drafting me. And when that happened, uh, you know, it kind of made me start thinking just because of my whole you know, family scenario, because my mom's originally from Erie, born and raised, um, and my dad ended up playing for the Erie Golden Blades uh, back in the old uh, ACHL. So, um, you know, I've had a connection to Erie. I had a lot of my mom's side of the family there. My dad obviously knew people there and stuff like that. So once that happened, it kind of made me start thinking, and over the course of the next year, I actually ended up changing my mind after I, you know, came and took my two days and, Erie's camp after I got drafted and you know I just really liked what I saw and liked the group of guys and just the way everything operated it was you know it almost felt like the NHL at that age so uh once I was able to go out and experience that uh kind of changed my mind and being with the family aspect too it was a pretty easy decision to live with my aunt and not have to live with the billet so uh you know it was a perfect situation for me and I really enjoyed it. All right, I have a few questions all in one, actually. So what's your favorite thing about Erie, your favorite memory as an Erie Otter, and who's your favorite former teammate as an Otter? Oh, all right. Well, I mean, the, I think uh, the favorite thing about Erie is a easy, easy answer for me, considering, uh, obviously, what I just got done saying, but just the fact that my family's there. Um, so, I, you know, even way before... I played for the Otters. I was in Erie all the time uh, as a kid. We were always there for Christmas, Thanksgiving, uh, 
all that type of stuff. So I've, I've grown up uh, with Erie as almost a second home. So um, I think that was just my favorite part is being so comfortable there and, you know, knowing, knowing the area, knowing what was around, obviously having family to go to if I ever had any problems or just to be able to see them. It's just a, a really cool dynamics. I think the unfortunate part about uh, once you get the juniors and then especially pro is just that, you know, a lot of guys have to move really far from home and, you know, you really might not see your parents other than Christmas break all throughout the year. So for me, I've been very fortunate um, in that aspect. So that was definitely my favorite part of Erie. Um, my favorite, well, the second one, my favorite memory yes. as an otter, you said. Um, ooh, I would have to think about that one. Jeez, uh, I think, honestly, uh, one, you know, one that was actually pretty cool could have been a lot better obviously but the weather kind of screwed it all up but we had uh you know we planned a little outdoor game to go out and uh you know play down at Prescott Isle Park there I remember and unfortunately the day we were going to do it I think it somehow turned out to be like 50 or 60 degrees and the ice was melting so uh we weren't able to put our skates on and go play but uh you know the fans still wanted to to get together and then uh you know we just decided to go put on our shoes and go out and play and Prescott Park, and to be honest, that was uh, one of the most fun days we had of just having the guys there. Uh, you know, it was almost like a disappointment at first because you knew you wouldn't be playing a real game without your skates, and guys didn't know if we'd really enjoy it or not. But uh, once we got there, and all the fans that actually showed up to watch us play in our shoes and slip and fall all over the ice, uh, you know, the guys ended up just really enjoying it. And I remember that being an awesome bonding experience for the guys. So um, that was just a pretty cool uh, little element of, you know, the fan support and then just how much the guys really appreciate that stuff. Uh, you can just really tell if you're there that day. So I'll always remember that one. And then uh, I think uh, my favorite my favorite teammate, that would definitely be a tough one because um, I'd probably have a few because um, I, you know, I had a couple guys that I played with in Erie that I ended up playing with in pro, uh, stuff like that. You know, like one of them that I played with for a couple of years in Erie that I played a couple of years with pro with was like Mike Cazola. He was always one of my favorite guys, just real easy guy to be around with. Uh, you know, I hung out with a guy like Derek Holden a lot, uh, Matt Patton, you know, guys that were there for, you know, probably three of the four years that I was there. And then, you know, of course, you want to talk about, you know, best teammate that he can go right to O'Reilly, just having him for my first couple of years and then you know it's it's always funny when I think about him just the fact that he's been in the NHL since he was 18 and how long it's actually been and just see the success he's had and you know knowing the type of person he is uh you know it's that's been a really cool thing to see so I was really happy with it I for him when he got to win the Stanley Cup obviously he got the Conn Smite too so um I felt like that was really deserving for him and then uh also, you know, guys like Luke Gazdick, he was one of the best guys around. Mike Leambus, one of the best guys around, uh, really made a great impression on me. Zach Turquato was another one that I really got along with as well. And, you know, Yaroslav Giannis was probably one of my favorites as well. So that's what I mean. I, I had a ton there. And that's, uh, you know, that's the reason why a lot of guys in my position, when, when you play pro, you look back at your, your junior career and realize that was the best time playing hockey because all it was was just you know everyone was away from home for the first time you're real young you know maybe a little immature so it's really a, 
all about playing hockey and having fun. So we just did everything together. We were always around each other and, you know, make a lot of lasting friends that way. So uh, it was definitely a really special time in my life. Let's talk a little bit about when you guys finally won the Kelly's Cup. Um, what, what were the emotions you felt then and uh, what kind of transpired later the night? Did you guys all get together? Um, yeah, for me it was uh, obviously extra special just uh, how long I've been in Fort Wayne. Um, you know, that was my, last year was my eighth season uh, with Fort Wayne and, uh, you know, to be honest, I never imagined that would have played uh, this long with one team. You know, I always, I remember getting out of junior and, you know, had my NHL contract and started to learn the, the business a little bit of how rare it is for guys to stick around too long with one team. So um, when I ended up in Fort Wayne, like I said, I fell in love with the fan support and, you know, just the uh, the team camaraderie around the city and stuff like that. So uh, the town obviously means a lot to me and the people in it. And uh, to be able to go through that many seasons, you know, we only really got close one other year, I think, 2017-18 we went to you know probably should have won it that year to be honest but we uh, lost in game seven in the third round so uh, in overtime so that was definitely the toughest loss of my career so coming back after that you know didn't have uh, or I think I actually went to Norway after that year and then uh, ended up coming back and I don't think uh, we really had the strongest, uh, strongest team that year and then Unfortunately, COVID ended up happening and took another season from us. Um, so last year was just really cool because uh, it was one of those teams that on paper, you knew we had the team to win. So the expectations were there from day one. And uh, as the year went on, the team just got closer and closer. And we had such a good group of guys that, you know, everyone got along. Same thing. It was almost almost like a junior environment where everyone got along and we were always together because, you know, with COVID going on, we weren't allowed to do much else. So uh, we were just really hanging out at the apartments, doing whatever we could. And just, uh, again, like I said, I think that camaraderie translates on the ice very well because guys like each other and trust each other. They'll play for each other and they'll play harder for each other. So that's exactly the case last year. So um, it was weird, man. I'll tell you, though, um, once we got to the finals, um, obviously everything was different. There was less teams in the league. Uh, there were only three playoff rounds, so it was a little bit different. Um, but it was weird because when we get to the finals, we were playing South Carolina. And unfortunately for South Carolina, um, you know, they didn't know if they'd be playing. The rink didn't know if they'd be playing, so they were already booking things in advance, not knowing if the team would be playing uh, you know, all the way into July like we were. Um, so the rink was actually booked because they were shooting uh, an episode for an HBO show in their arena. Um, trying to think of the name right now um, of the show. Oh, I'm drawing a blank, but they were shooting an episode of that there. So we had to play our first two games of the finals in basically a local hockey rink that only sat maybe 400 people. Wow. And yeah, so like that, the, the, the dynamic of going... You know, wow, I'm in the finals right now. It's 90 degrees. We're in South Carolina. You know, this is awesome. But we're walking into a practice ring basically to play. And it almost didn't feel like the finals um, in that sense. But once the game got going, you know, you didn't even notice it. And it was almost more intense because you could hear everyone, like all the guys tripping each other, this and that. So, like, to, just to have this wild experience, uh, to have COVID happen, 
obviously for that to be tough on everybody, no matter what you did or where you were, um, and to end the year on that championship, it, uh, it just meant a ton to me because, you know, to end a terrible year on that good of a note, um, it was kind of bittersweet. And, uh, once we got back to Fort Wayne too, uh, the last two games we played in Fort Wayne in the finals, those were the only two games all year that were allowed above 50% capacity. So it ended up working out to where we could have a full capacity for the two games in the finals. So, you know, that was what I always pictured when I was in Fort Wayne was the years they won the championships in years past, and it was a completely sold-out rink. And, you know, I always wanted that experience. Wasn't sure if I was going to get it last year, and then, you know, we got the word that we were going to get it for our two, you know, home games in the finals. So to win it after all that stuff, extremely special for me and definitely something I'll never forget. I'll tell you what, man, them hockey teams and hockey fans down in the South, they're a different breed. I was at a Tampa game and uh, just watched them play cornhole in January. It's like, I wish we could do that up here. Yeah, they, uh, that's what I mean where guys want to play in Florida. Yeah, especially like South Carolina is a really nice place to be able to play. And yeah, you could be golfing, you know, when we're all hibernating inside, especially in Erie when you guys are getting four feet of snow. <laughs> Yeah, so the Sulaski family is one of the best families I've ever met coming through Erie, coming through whatever. But I was really close with your family. I wasn't even close with you, really. I just saw you here and there. But, yeah, me and your brother played many sticks in the hallways every home game. And me and your dad, like, we, I don't know, we kind of grew up for the years you were here. Like, we all grew up together in that sense. I think you are here, what, three or four years? Yeah, no, I was here four years. And, no, I definitely remember it. And, uh... Yeah, and that's one thing that was pretty cool, and, you know, especially kind of the same in Fort Wayne where my family's gotten to know people and made friends, and, yeah, I definitely remember, obviously, my my brother was younger at the time, and, uh, you know, especially he was, uh, you know, obviously you know, but, you know, him being adopted and he was younger, he didn't necessarily have a ton of friends, so, um, you know, when he found found people he could hang out with at that age, it was really cool to see, so... Um, you know, we definitely appreciated that, and obviously, uh, it's a pretty cool thing, and uh, that's that's the type of stuff that you know I will always look back on in my career and appreciate is you know just uh, the type of support you get from the places you play, and if you're lucky enough to stay around long enough, like I did, to have four years in Erie, and you know, like I said, my family make friends and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, that it's only makes the journey that much more special so uh you know that's really cool yeah the last time i saw him was probably like four years ago and he was so big like it was so weird because i didn't see him since we were little and then i i think it was somewhere in michigan we met up and he was tall as hell like it was so weird i know trust me i used to i used to be definitely a lot bigger than him for uh, a lot bigger than him for the most part and now he's probably at least a couple inches taller than me. So, yeah, he's uh, he's definitely grown. Yeah, and then your dad also, like, he's been a supporter for me, like, even throughout the last couple of years. And he, like, when you were still in Erie, you might have just gotten done. He came to our backyard and gave us some uh, weighted pucks and was, like, it was a random day, too. Yeah. Are those the ones we destroyed that fence with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I would always... Uh... Respect that's, your family. That's Stevie said for you. And no, we. I definitely appreciate it. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's pretty cool. He's like, you know, he's a great guy. He's always, you know, been the one. Uh, you know, he taught me everything growing up. Uh, he was my coach every year. You know, growing up until I was uh, 
16, like right before I came to Erie. So, uh, you know, guy just loves the game, and uh, it's funny you should see him. Uh, you should see him here in Fort Wayne because how many people know him in this city right now? It's actually hilarious. So, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. <laughs> funny story about that and the championship last year was that uh, you know knowing how many people knew him in Fort Wayne uh, after you know all the guys did their little lap with the cup after we just won. Uh, you know, we had some of the family and friends on the ice, and I went and grabbed the cup real quick. And of course, I wanted to take a couple of pictures with my parents, but um, we did that. And after we took them, uh, I gave the cup to my dad, and I go, "You know what? You got to lift this thing right now." I go, "I, I bet you you'll get a cheer." And no joke, I, my dad got a louder cheer than some of the guys did when they raised the cup. From that's the awesome. That's awesome. So, and that's what I mean. So, that type of stuff is like. Again, it's it's the coolest part about hockey, and then you know, just makes me laugh. Going, oh my god! Like, how many people? Like, he, he might have more fans than me. So, yeah. and it was like that in Erie too. So, uh, but again, great guy, and that's you know, that's what I appreciate about him. And you know, I try to take a lot of that stuff uh, from him as just being so nice to people, and uh, you know, because that's the type of stuff. You know, obviously they they remember, and I definitely do too. All right, yeah, we're gonna we're definitely gonna head up to Fort Wayne soon. I gotta check your schedule. I know it's like four hours away, but we want to come up to a game, maybe a back to back, and maybe we could uh, get you some merch and meet up. Oh yeah, no, that'd be awesome. If you guys uh, ever want to come down here, you just uh, let me know, and I'll be able to leave you guys a couple tickets, so uh, we can definitely figure something out. Perfect. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's gonna be this year. We're, we're gonna make it this year. I I want to. I've been wanting to come for the past couple of years, so. We can well, finally do good. it. I don't know how many I got left, so that'd be a good decision. <laughs> All right, perfect. Well, Sean, we appreciate you here at Drop the Gloves and the City of Erie. Appreciates everything you've done. Thank you for being in this interview. Oh, well, no. Thank you guys for having me on and uh, appreciate it. And again, like I said, uh, we appreciate your support and how good you guys were to my family uh, when we were in Erie. So, uh, you know, that's what I said it's all about. And, you know, having friends like that and uh, keeping those relationships. So it's something special. And I uh, wish you guys the best of luck uh, continuing forward. And we'll probably see you soon then. Yeah, we will definitely see you soon. All right, guys. Well, appreciate it again. And you guys take care. You too. All right. Tom, you want to go ahead and start it off? Yes. Yeah, so Aiden Campbell, uh, welcome back. First game, first dub. He had 19 saves and one goals against average. Uh, he really was uh, shaky in the first couple minutes of the game, but obviously that's going to come when you're injured. When you're injured and you're out for almost a year and a half, it's gonna you're going to have the jitters. Uh, the one thing I was a little scared of there, he came out and played that puck in the right circle and getting back to the net, he was quick getting back, but he just kind of, I don't know if there was a skate problem or not, what or what not, but he just kind of seemed a little iffy, but he did. He put up a great game, and the goal he let in was uh, was a rebound goal. It was sitting in front of the net. Uh, defense clears that out, and he comes back with a shot out. Yeah, if the defense would have cleared that out, he would have had a 20 saves, 19 saves, shutout, but it doesn't always happen that way. But welcome back, Aiden Campbell. The Otters are going to need you for this late playoff push. And unfortunately, it happened due to Nolan Lalaud's injury. I think it's a concussion, but no words have been said to the public from what I know. Um, hopefully he gets well soon. It would be awesome to have those guys as a one-two punch. Oh, yeah, and then next year having them as a one-two punch is going to be huge, and we're like the youngest team in the OHL. So. And that's big. Now, another thing I wanted to talk about with them is this playoff push. 
We got some big games coming up. They're all home. We have one on the road. We got a Friday, Saturday, Sunday this weekend. Uh, how many points do you see us coming out? I know we need every point we can get, but what do you? What's your prediction? Uh, obviously, I want six, but I think they'll come out with about four. And if they get four, that's going to be huge going into the next week. Four is big because uh, Sarnia, that's who we're chasing right now, um, they have not been putting up their points. They've not been winning games. They've been losing big games to teams. Speaking of losing big games to teams, you should not lose. The Otters lost to Niagara the other night. That was definitely hurt for the standings to lose to the bottom team twice this season. Yeah, that's that's very unacceptable, and we are so much better than them. We cannot lose a game with the goalie in that with a .5 goals against average. Like, Not .5, buddy, 5.0. Yeah, that, you get the point. That's what I meant, but that is just – we put 40 shots on a dude, too. We got to score. We got to take advantage of the home ice. We cannot drop games to teams who are 10 times worse than us. I'm sorry. And I want to say worse than us because we are a solid team. Like you said, we're inexperienced, we're young, but we have a big core to build on, and I think that's going to be big coming up. Dom, who do you see as the true contenders in the OHL? Um, I see Hamilton, Windsor, London, and North Bay as true contenders. And if I had to pick one, I'm probably probably going to go with Hamilton or Windsor. I was going to go with Windsor myself. Windsor? The, the one thing I can't stand about Windsor was when – we got into that big scruff at home, and, man, the way they were just feeding into the crowd, they knew they were good, and there was nothing we could do about it. We could be loud and do what we want, make gestures and do all kinds of things, but at the end of the day, they're the ones on the ice that everybody's watching make gestures. And I think as a player in the OHL, I know Erie is a tough barn to play in. I know the fans are rowdy. But at the end of the day, these guys, they have to keep their composure. Yeah, composure is everything, especially in a deep playoff run or even when you're in playoffs next year. I, just outside of playoffs, composure is big. Do you think a team wants to draft you in the first round if you're going out there looking like a fool? No, definitely not. And like That's why we haven't had a first-round pick in a few years. And, and 10 years ago, 10 years ago, that's acceptable. But as we know, the game has changed. You know, we got to be a lot more sensitive to people. I just, I don't know. I These players, like the other day when the guy bowed on his way out after a, suspend, after a game, I mean, just stuff like that, I mean, that, that hurts your draft stock. It doesn't hurt anybody else besides yourself. Yeah, that's true. Even though it might be funny at the time, you're going to look back at it and like, yo, what the hell are you doing? And I can't think what the team was, but 71, uh, was that Windsor or was that Flint? Uh, I don't know. He was he was making gestures and whatnot, so I gave him a shout-out, and uh, he blew me a kiss. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The time is now, I guess, so if you're if you're living high, just do whatever the hell you want, I guess. But, but if you want a future, you definitely got to keep these things to a minimum. Yeah, so speaking of those four contenders, the past ten games, Hamilton's 8-1-1, one, one, Windsor's 8-2-0, London's 5-3-1-1, one, and, one, and North Bay 9-1-0 in the last ten. So the reason I say Hamilton and Windsor, they're ridiculously good, and you could put you could you could put Flint in that conversation, but I just don't. I think they had a fluke season. We've already talked about that. Yeah. They got to play a struggling Otters team in the beginning of the season. Saginaw's really been struggling throughout the year too. And when you're playing the same two teams repetitive, a lot of emotions get involved. You know, when you're playing somebody three times a year, you might forget about that slash they had to the back of the ankle. But when you're playing guys four, five, six, seven times a month. You're not going to forget these things. There's going to be animosity between the two teams, and I think they really just came on top because they got to face the struggling Erie team. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, and 
I don't know. It's just tough. I don't see Flint. I think they're having a way better season than what they expected, what we expected, the whole league expected. But they are good. Like they're still oh, a good player. Don't get play me wrong. They they have the talent and they have the size. Don't get me wrong there. I just think points wise, I don't think they're number one season. They're not number one if this doesn't happen. All right. Another thing I want to talk about because the refs in the OHL are ridiculously bad, and especially. Who are the ones that are in Erie against the uh, We had Harrison and I can't think of the other guy. Was and it Ferguson maybe? No, no. no. I, I don't know. I don't know at the time who they were, but Harrison, actually that game surprised me. Normally when you see Harrison on the ice, you normally know there's going to be a few bad calls. Um, they missed a complete too many men. When you're when you're making the change and there's seven guys on the ice and a touch of somebody's skate that's coming off the bench, I don't care if it was shot at the player's skate. That is too many men on the ice. You don't have to possess the puck. You have to touch the puck. And when it lands in your feet, when you're making the change, there's seven guys on the ice, that's got to be called. Exactly. I just don't – I think Erie has, like, really bad luck with refs at home especially. And and it could be a little bit of the, the disciplinary of a young team. I could contribute a little bit to that. But some of the calls were – here's the thing. If you're going to let the kids play, let them play, and let them play both ways. We've seen calls on us that were done, you know, in the first period of the game. And I understand situational refing. I understand. But at the same time, the same exact play, you have to call it the other way. Now, if you're letting them play in the first period and there's no penalties and something happened in the first and you call it in the second to kind of grab the game, I understand that. But at the end of the day, when you're just holding the whistle for one team and not the other, the game we lost the other day uh, it was 6-1 on power play opportunities. I loved BJ's reaction to these bad calls. When Hartsburg was behind the net, we had no emotion um, working with the guy, he showed no emotion besides frustration towards the players. I never seen him get on top of that bench and lay into him like BJ did the other day. Pretty sure BJ even laughed at him at one point. Dom, what do you think that does for the team when you have a coach that actually cares? It does a lot. And when you have a coach that cares, the players drive off that. They feed off that energy. And seeing our BJ finally do that was like a relief because that hasn't happened to us in like two, three years. And I'm just glad. Even Vince, like, he was there, too. Yeah, they were both up there. They were giving those refs hell. And that's what a team needs. Any day of the week, I'd play for a coach like that who has heart. I'll never forget some of the things I heard come out of Knobloch's mouth when I was fortunate enough to work there and be in between the benches. And just, I mean, he was there for the boys. And as you can see with the 51 seasons, the boys were there for him. Yeah, you cannot have a drowsy coach. Nobody wants to play for a coach who's just sitting there with his head down all the time and has even his interviews were bad like I love the guy off the ice but um coaching wise no I just you can't have that as a team and that's why we struggled for and a couple he was years. a he was a great guy off the ice ran into him at the driving range a couple times he always stopped and had a short conversation and whatnot so he was a great guy I just uh this wasn't the coaching job for him definitely not definitely not all right let's tease the listeners a little bit about some of the stuff we got dropping yeah, so on um, April 9th, 2022, we got a lot of cool stuff coming, especially our newest logo, the Rebirth. So this is one of my favorite logos ever made, and it's just one of those 
hockey sticks with gloves hanging down. You'll see it by the time this interview's uh, out there. And Drop the Gloves is proud to have another design after being gone for a couple of years. We're also releasing some of your guys' favorite logos. We got some beer hockey hoodies and T-shirts. We got some uh, banner logo T-shirts and hoodies coming out. We got a couple of hats releasing. I think those are limited stock. I think we only got about 20 of them. So if you want a hat, be sure to get in. They're really nice. They're snapback hats. Um, those are going to be online. All this stuff's going to be available for $20. The hats are available now if you're interested in that. Yeah, so the T-shirts are $19.99, and then the Drop the Gloves hoodies are $39.99. Hats are $19.99 as well, so make sure you get in on this pre-sale. We're going to release it here soon, so we want all of our supporters rocking Drop the Gloves everywhere you go. Also, don't forget, guys, we do offer skate sharpenings for 7 bucks. Uh, if you guys message us on uh, Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, we'll be sure to get you guys in for scheduling. Um, if we can get enough people back in here to use the Sparks machine, we may consider pick up and drop off as well, where we'll come to you, pick them up and whatnot. We just got to make sure we get you guys back here and get you guys on good edges again. Oh, yeah, the Sparks machine is one of the best in Erie. I So let me tell you a story. When Phil retired from... Uh, what Erie Sports Store. Yeah, Erie Sports Store. I've never gotten my skate sharpen from anybody but him. And we got the Spark machine when we started up the business in like 2018. And I fell in love with that machine. So it was like perfect time. And Phil was going and we got the Sparks machine. So I was like, shit, this is going to be my replacement. But I was very skeptical at first. And then now I just love the Sparks and don't use anything else. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, I'm not an experienced hockey player by any means. But when you're going out on consistent edges all the time, you can start to feel a difference. You gain confidence a little bit. You start trying some things you normally want to try. Um, but, yeah, when Phil retired, that was a huge shock to the whole hockey community. With the Sparks machine, it's uh, it's sad to say, but, like, I use my Sparks machine, and I have a best friend who sharpens skates as well. So, like, Fluffy does a good job, but I'd rather have a Sparks machine. Just, I mean, there's a chance in human error. Obviously, this is a machine. This is what it's made for. So, I I mean, it is a good machine, and if Fluffy does do a great job. Yeah, I love that dude. All right, guys, the pre-sale is going to be up, and you can find it on DropTheGlovesHockey.com. It's going to be right on the front page. Be sure to enter your name, your full name, and your address so you can do shipping if need be. Um, If not, there's gonna be a pickup option. If you hit pickup option, it's not just pickup. We will communicate with you on a meeting place or drop it off during the day while you're at work. Both of those options are available. Dom, do you have anything else you wanna add? Uh, No, other than that, um, I appreciate everybody's support so far and supporting Drop the Gloves as a business since we've been back. Like, it's been nothing but love. And thank you guys so much for listening to episode two of the Drop the Gloves podcast featuring Sean Sidlowski. Be sure to go to dropthegloveshockey.com and get your new apparel. And then follow us on all social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more.